With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, it's Doug Gottlieb. You know, our trusted partner, Tyrac.com, for fast, free shipping, free roadhouse protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Firestone Destination AT2. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive, simply go to TireRack.com slash sports. TireRack.com, that's the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time, that's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're uh, having a great day. The Doug Gottlieb Show is broadcast live and direct from sunny Southern California. Where, um, look, we're reacting to what happened with the Denver Nuggets last night. 50 seconds left to go, taking on the Golden State Warriors. Terrible. 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 
Jamal Murray out for the year, torn ACL. More on that to come. April 17th, Triller presents the most packed fight card yet. Famed YouTuber Jake Paul headlines as he prepares to fight former MMA champion Ben Askren along with a night of performances from the hottest in music pay-per-view through your TV provider or TrillerFightClub.com. Um, all right, so look, uh, this, there's, there's some interesting stuff going on. More news in the college basketball front in terms of hirings. There's more news in the NFL that is really interesting. The NFL informed clubs today, this is from Tom Pelissero, that uh, any team employee who refuses a COVID-19 vaccination without a bona fide medical or religious ground will be barred from tier one, tier two status, thus have restricted access to the team facility and not work directly with players per sources. It's interesting. Um, from at Sandra Tan BN, I believe that is uh, what's what's BN is that um, uh, what's we'll get that in a second. Um, full return of oh, Buffalo news. Thank you. Um, the full return of the Buffalo Bills stadium for in-person attendance at the Bills games, but only if you're fully vaccinated, no vaccine equals no entry. Now there's additional vaccine info. I told you guys I got the Johnson Johnson vax last Friday. They've suspended it because six people popped up with blood clots. Yes. Six people popped up with blood clots. So I don't know, out of an abundance of caution, but like this, this is how our lives are going to proceed, which is at some point, if we want to get back to regular scheduled programming, you're going to have to get vaccinated or prove some sort of, uh, religious or medical reason why you can't All right, more on that to come. So I was just listening to Colin Cowherd and there were some points that I wanted to make that he made. There are some points that he missed that I will make. There is an admittance that he did not make that I will admit, but this does come back to my argument yesterday, which is why are we so dug in on what a guy's stats are determine how great he was. Hey, stats are are good. Stats, what, what are they there for? They're there for us as fans who weren't watching the game to figure out who played well and who didn't. Stats are there for coaches to find out who's more productive. Analytics oftentimes provides a better and smarter statistical breakdown of what actually happened. How do I know that? I mean, Warren Sharp's going to join us, Sharp Football Analysis, and Steve Palazzolo join us, Pro Football Focus Analyst. Those guys are stats and analytics guys, or nerds, if you will, which is better than the raw data of stats. I think there's a lot of different elements to why people would say, hey, you'd always take Calvin Johnson, you'd always take Terrell Owens, you'd always take... You name the star wide receiver outside uh, the numbers as a better guy than Julian Edelman. And I, I want to commend TJ Hushmanzada for pointing out something that I've long pointed out, which is if we're going to put a slot receiver in the Hall of Fame, which we should, then Wes Welker was actually better than Julian Edelman. But that's not the argument we're going to make here. 
The argument I would make here is very simple. If you want guys that have incredible talent and are incredibly productive, great. Dominique Wilkins is in the Hall of Fame. I believe Dominique Wilkins went 12 straight years averaging 25 or more points. It's pretty great. How many NBA finals did he get to? Even Eastern Conference finals did he get to? How many NBA playoff series did the Hawks win? And we could sit here and go like, hey, they didn't. It was the Michael Jordan era. It was the Pat Ewing era. It was the Reggie Miller era. It was the great, great. He did play with Doc Rivers. He did play with a litany of other quality players. Of course, the great John Kunkak. You know, but he never played for anything that actually mattered. And, and my argument would be, Hey, all that's good. All that's good. But I always thought that if you're really a great player, you can elevate everybody around you, especially in basketball and in football, the difference between a college or high school star running back and a pro three down running back is you have to execute three different parts of the discipline of playing running back. You don't just have to run the football. Yes. Leonard Fournette, Adrian Peterson, some of these old kind of throwback type of guys are great at running the football. Now I don't think they would make it at all. If they weren't at least solid, maybe decent, maybe even good at pass protection. That's two. The third part is your ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. That's why Marshall Falk is an all-time great. Had to be able to be good at blitz pickup. He was obviously great at catching the football, and he could run behind the tackles. So when I read what Bill Belichick wrote, okay, when I read what Bill Belichick wrote, uh, penned about his wide receiver being a guy who could literally and literally do everything and did it in the most important of moments, block, catch, tackle, Uh, receive, run, even throw at times. It it made me think, like, why do you think they won so many games? Do do you think it was simply Tom Brady and it was simply Bill Belichick? Like, okay. I don't think that if Scottie Pippen goes to his own team in his prime, he's a top 50 player of all time. I, I don't. But Scottie Pippen, along with Michael Jordan, and coached by uh, and coached by Phil Jackson, is an iconic NBA player who we now remember as far greater than he probably was when he actually played. Why was it? Because he could pass, he could dribble, he could guard any position on the floor, and he scored just enough to keep you honest, even though he wasn't truly a scorer. That wasn't what he did. I would rather have Scottie Pippen than I would have Dominique Wilkins. Dominique Wilkins was an all-time great scorer. I would even go and and dig further. You know, Manu Ginobili, I've long said Manu Ginobili is the most impactful foreign player in the history of the NBA. And you're like, well, he didn't start at times when they when the Spurs when he won a championship with the Spurs. So why was Manu Ginobili so valuable? 
He could guard any position. He could shoot. He could pass. He could dribble. He could do a little bit of everything. And oh, yeah, hey, by the way, winning followed him. It's no secret. Like, you got all these dopes that talk about things that don't matter in sports. Because a lot of them didn't play or coach sports. And the only thing that actually matters when you play sports is does your team play better when you're in or does your team play better when you're out? That's it. And can does your is one of those guys who found a way to win games. Found a way to always be at the right place at the right time and make plays was Julian Edelman. Yeah, look, he he's second most pass catches uh, in postseason history at 118 and yards in the postseason at 1442. And 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 while we can keep in mind they played in the playoffs every year, they also weren't in the wild card. So it wasn't like they were getting extra playoff games, but they played in the playoffs forever. But I love the argument against, well, just because he did in the playoffs doesn't make him a Hall of Famer. Okay, then what's the Eli Manning argument? Look, the only argument going against Julian Edelman that I would say is fair is he did get popped for PEDs a couple years ago, and now it appears pretty obvious that whatever that knee thing was, you know, his body's breaking down. If the excuse was I was trying to get back on the field, my body was about to quit on me. I, if, if you're going to keep out of the Hall of Fame for that, I, I can't say I blame you. It doesn't sit well with me either. But if we're talking about Julian Edelman as a football player, as a football player, it's what did you do to help your team win? Like this catch. Here's Edelman broken up in the pass. Football, and they're saying it's a catch. Oh, that's a catch. Oh my God. That's incredible. Yeah, it was one of the most, it, it, by the way, wasn't the most athletic catch made that day. That's the perfect Super Bowl 51 is a perfect embodiment of what I'm talking about. It's not Julio Jones' fault that his team lost the game. And Julio Jones is a better wide, pure wide receiver than Julian Edelman. And in that game, Julio Jones made, in my, by my estimation, the most spectacular catch I've ever seen in a Super Bowl. But Julian Edelman found a way to win the game. He made the most iconic catch because it helped them as part of their comeback. It was improbable. It should have hit the ground. I don't know if anybody else comes up with it, but he did. Whether it's Derek Fisher or Robert Ory or Julian Edelman or Manu Ginobili, these guys, winners win. No, they, they're not blessed with the God-given skills of the guys outside the numbers. They're, they're not. And they'll never have the stats. They'll never have the stature. But there's absolutely no reason, no reason that you, if you're going to put a guard or a, ta- you know, a guard or a tackle into the Hall of Fame, if you're going to put a punter into the Hall of Fame, you got to put a slot wide receiver in the Hall of Fame. And one that has won as much as this guy and found a way as much as this guy is a pretty good hill to stick your flag in. If you've coached, if you're a parent, you know how this works. You're a parent, you go to whatever game you want to go to, basketball, football, baseball, right? 
Your star player may have more talent than everybody else, but does he help you win games? Julian Edelman helped you win games. Was a big part of a lot of winning for a long time. And there's a reason why you belong in the Hall of Fame. Because sports at the end of the day are played to win. That's the stat that really matters. Is it the only stat that matters? No. Does it mean that he's a had a better talent level than T.O. and Calvin Johnson and, and you, you name the no, no. But within your role, can you be a star? Yes. Can you help your team win games? Yes. Do you do it? Do you perform well on the biggest of stage? Absolutely. If you won a Super Bowl, three of them. It's a strong argument. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Do you know what happens every year? Well, every day the sun rises in the east and sets in the west. And every year, I mean, it's one of the things like the Masters is always in Augusta National. It's always the week after the NCAA tournament. These things are always. Uh, the NBA playoffs are a little bit different. Today is the anniversary of Kobe's last game today is the anniversary of Kobe's last regular season game you remember where you were Gavin where were you in Kobe's last game he had 60 points in his last game I remember I was watching at home and it was the same night as the Warriors going for their 73rd win Mm -hmm. yep and Kobe I don't remember if people know this Kobe I believe had the worst uh, effective field goal percentage, maybe the worst field goal percentage of any player in the league that was a starter that year, right? And I, I was fortunate, and I've shared this on a podcast, to have uh, a relationship and drinks with the late, great Kobe Bryant. And, like, he even, he even said, like, I was terrible that year. Terrible. Like, I wanted to be done. But they were filming uh, for a documentary this entire season, his entire comeback and everything that entire season. So he's like, I, I, and his mentality is like, I couldn't just quit. Like I had to, but he's like, there were plenty of times when I wanted to just like, dude, I'm, I got nothing. So look, was it, was it great basketball? No. Was it a great night? Yes. I could take shots and go like, well, he shouldn't have done this and should have come back and shouldn't have gotten out of that big contract when he was torn to kill his tendon or whatever. Like, who cares? The dude had, or you could say like, well, the game didn't mean anything. And I think it was against the Utah Jazz and they, they didn't guard him well and blah, 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 blah. blah. We could make up excuses. The guy had 60 points in an NBA game and it was his last game in Staples Center ever. And then he did the Mamba out thing, which became kind of a thing for a while, right? Anyway, um, what's interesting, you mentioned the 73 win year. And that year they did not win an NBA championship. Does anybody remember what happened during that NBA finals run for the Golden State Warriors? Andrew Bogut got hurt, could not play game six and game seven against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Didn't play, couldn't play, didn't play. I think five, six, seven. And like, well, he didn't score. Like Andrew Bogut was a huge, you can download my podcast with him in all ball. Huge part of it. The year before the Golden State Warriors, every team they played 
was missing their starting point guard for at least the first two games of their series, or Kyrie Irving missed the last five games of the NBA Finals. What's the point? The point is that last night in what only can be described as a terrible end to a pretty good basketball game, Steph Curry was amazing. He passes Will Chamberlain in the Warriors' all-time scoring list, and they beat the Denver Nuggets with 50 seconds to go. Here's how it sounded. Rebound down to Jamal Murray. Less than a minute to go. Three-pointer would be nice. Murray right to the rack. Gets hammered, and he'll go. Oh, oh they're just oh, going to say hurt. he lost that. That's a challenge. He's hurt. Uh-oh. Jamal's hurt. And he he's grabbing his, his left, left knee. knee, and he is in severe amount of pain. This is a worst-case scenario, sports fans. That's on the uh, Nuggets radio network. He actually wasn't. Um, he wasn't touched on the play. Uh, he's like, oh, he's hammered. No, it was only because he fell awkwardly because he planted his left leg, and I'm sure his ACL probably exploded at that point. Uh, he did the Kobe, refused the wheelchair, limped off instead. With a little over a month left in the season, they're going to be without Jamal Murray, who was, you want to talk about a guy who elevated his game in the bubble. No one elevated his game like Jamal Murray. The Canadian was, and he's always kind of had a flair for the spectacular. Um, and he's having a great year on the back of what he was able to do in the bubble. So he suffered a torn ACL and now he's out. And as much as we're going to sit here and go like, man, it's terrible. I also saw it's Baron Davis's 42nd birthday, Baron Davis, all that spectacular athleticism. Remember he is left knee blew up his freshman year at UCLA going baseline and getting a dunk and he landed on it wrong against, I think it was the University of Miami. Maybe it was Michigan. Can't remember. They ended up getting a, a win in the first round of the tournament. His knee blew up. And 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 Baron, by my estimation, Baron Davis had as much talent as anybody who's ever played point guard in basketball. Had size, strength, could shoot it, could do it all. So he may never have been the greatest point guard of all time that he could have been, and partially at least because of the knee. But go and look at his highlights. Like, he still had... He bounced back from it pretty well. My guess is Jamal Murray will be, I don't want to say fine, but, and at the end of the year, so we'll have the off season somewhere mid season next year, he'll be back. And guys have come back quite well from an ACL, especially ones in their twenties. But man, does this shake up the playoffs because they were a problem for the Lakers, a problem, right? You factor in, they got Jokic, who's a bona fide superstar is unique, is like a point center and can defend the rim as well. Then you have Jamal Murray who can give you a 40 and they traded for Aaron Gordon. You know, you have, you got dudes and now you lose your point guard, the guy that stirs the drink, the guy that can go give you 40 or 50 points. But this is kind of par for the NBA course. The, The NBA's regular season is a war for attrition. You know, the, the 82 game regular season or this year's 70 whatever five game it it's basically try and figure out who's going to make the playoffs seed a little bit collect a bunch of money and then you play for a championship unfortunately the nuggets aren't going to be playing for a championship anytime this year if you don't have Jamal Murray he's that good that impactful and i don't think anybody's it's not really an argument to be made did it dramatically change the landscape yes does it we like wait would the Nuggets have won a championship with him? Probably not. But the way to beat the Lakers or the way to beat the Clippers 
is whoever faces them in the first or second round or the conference semis, or conference, the longer those series goes, the more they get worn down. And sometimes injuries happen. They get beaten up. And now whoever plays them in the conference finals, everything changes. Everything changes. You just, the attrition of it is a lot. It's a lot. Uh, something going on in, in college athletics, which is uh, fascinating to me. Fascinating. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. I saw this. There's a guy named Charlie Moore. Charlie Moore's a um, 5'10-ish guard, 5'10 guard. Um, he's out of Illinois. His uh, first first couple years in college, I think his first two he played at Cal. Okay, then he transferred to Kansas. Um, and at Kansas, he didn't play a ton. Um, he played his first year at Cal, excuse me, and actually led freshman in scoring at Cal, averaged 12 points a game. Transferred to Kansas, sat out a year, and then at KU, he struggled to find minutes, averaged like three points a game. Transferred to DePaul, got to play right away, and averaged 15 a game and 14 a game. Now, keep in mind, DePaul's coaching staff and Dave Lado were fired, and now he's going to transfer again because even though he's played four years, everybody gets this year back, which I like. I love that everybody gets this year back, but I do find it's amazing. Charlie Moore's going to play at Cal, Kansas, DePaul, and, like, look, I he's not a great player. At the high major level, he's just, he's little. He's not a great defensive player. He's not really a point guard. He's a good player. He's going to play at his fourth school in five years. Or six years, whatever, in college basketball. Four. like And two incredible school, actually three in terms of basketball history. Cal, Kansas, DePaul. I mean, the... the the idea of being able to transfer and play right away sounds like this great idea, and t- but but this is what happens with great ideas is they spawn people who game the system. I don't mind if he, like I don't mind if guys get to stay in school an extra year. And honestly, had it not been for the three previous spots, like who cares? The idea is to get more guys around college basketball longer. But we do get to the place to point to be ridiculous. It is, it is ridiculous. Then I saw this story. The American Athletic Conference has joined the growing movement across college sports to eliminate the rules preventing movement between schools, specifically addressing penalties, transferring to school within a conference. The intra-conference transfer policy was eliminated from AAC rules, effective immediately. The unanimous vote from the league's athletic director, moving forward, all transfers involving AAC schools will only be governed by the NCAA transfer policy. So they joined the ACC and the AA and the MAC, the MAC, as the FBS conferences to make this uh, move in recent weeks. Mike Oresco, who used to work for CBS, runs the AAC. It will align the conference's position on transfers with expected significant change in the NCAA policy. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Look, it's one thing to be able to transfer. And what's assumed to happen is you'll have a one-time chance to transfer and play right away, which is dumb. Sorry, is dumb. Anyone who's been around college athletics knows it's dumb. You're like, well, players should have to be, like, like they got to be empowered. 
I'm like, okay. Look, when you sign a scholarship, you're signing a contract. You don't have to actually sign a letter of intent. You know those NLIs? You know, when they have the, they have the ceremony and they're like, uh, you guys have like a, who's the guy with the bulldog, that cute little bulldog puppy, right? We chose Georgia. Like everybody's got this. And I did the hat thing. I chose Notre Dame. I did, did the, I don't think I had multiple hats. I just had a Notre Dame hat on. Whatever. Like everybody, you want your day in the sun. You post it on Instagram and Twitter. And maybe you do a press conference or whatever. You're allowed to do that. And you're allowed to transfer. Okay. But if it's the first contract you sign, like, Big boy, I'm going to be a grown-up, sign a contract for a scholarship. Keep in mind that scholarships now are are basically lifetime con- contracts. You go to a place, as long as you keep your grades up, you you will always be on scholarship to a chance to get a degree. And after you're done playing, even if you don't play very much, after you're done, you can come back or stay at the school and be like a grad assistant, be on the floor coaching, and get a grad degree. Also on scholarship. Like, it's the greatest deal ever. So, if you transfer, be like, well, coaches, they just transfer and they just leave jobs and they just, you know. Well, first of all, most coaches get fired. They don't just leave. But there are coaches like, look, there's 46 coaching jobs um, that have been, that have opened this year. I think 46 coaching, excuse me, 46 of the coaching jobs which have been opened have been closed now. I would say... Less than half of those this year, smaller number, have been by current head coaches. Chris Beard goes interconference. So you're like, well, Chris Beard got to go from Texas Tech to Texas. First of all, different when you're a coach as opposed to a player. I've told you that before. But um, somebody had to pay Texas Tech $4 million in order to then pay $5 million for Chris Beard. That's called a buyout clause. So the buyout clause has always been... You got to sit out a year if you're in college basketball. And now people are like, well, yeah, that's not fair. Okay. Like one life's not fair Two, It is actually fair because you still get to play the same number of years. You just have to sit for a year. That's the one thing that holds you from transferring. Holds you from transferring. And like, why should you, the guy should look. uh, uh, My guess would be that your freshman year in college Freshman year in college. Steve DeSager, where'd you go to college? I went locally, Biola U. Biola. That's a great no school. football team there. No, but good basketball. Very good basketball. Good, good NAI basketball. And a coach who's been there forever. What's his name? Dave Holmquist. Thousand yeah. wins. Well, um, okay, Gavin, where'd you go? Cal State Fullerton. Cal State Fullerton. Not too far from La Mirada. No, no, That's correct. La Mirada. I, La, I like La Mirada. Okay, so I'll just ask. So, your first year in college, what did you think when you came home? You guys are fairly local, so what did yep. you think? I'm staying. I love it. You love it? You yeah, loved every part absolutely. of it? Absolutely. Yep. Really? Well, I went away to Notre Dame. Everybody's like, well, you, you left. You got in trouble. Like, yeah, but what's crazy about it was the conversation I was expecting to have with my coach before I got caught was I wanted to leave. You know, I was in Notre Dame, it's 2,500 miles from my house. It's Catholic school. I've been a public school kid. I'm also Jewish. We weren't good. Most college athletes, most, their first year will have a at least a passing thought of the grass is greener. And so it, it's very normal, especially to go away from home, especially to go away from home. And you're like, man, I just, 
I miss home. I miss the things that are normal. I miss my folks and my friends. And if you have a hometown honey and you miss all those things, right? It's very, very normal. And so like one of the jobs of every college coach is to re-recruit the kids that are because they go home and they want to stay home. They don't want to come back to school. Um, so now we're kind of empowering that. And then the idea of you can transfer to a school in your league. Like, think about that. You're in your handshake lines. You're it's, it's beyond the scope of having to explain it, to understand how awful this is for the sport, how awful it is for the sport. First of all, just say it. The AAC sucks as a league. It does. It doesn't suck in terms of the actual programs. It sucks because it's so spread out and there's no history between the schools that it's really like Cincinnati basketball. They just fired their coach. Maybe it's because of his behavior. Maybe it's because they weren't any good. Maybe it's because it's really hard to get a Cincinnati basketball fan where they've been great for a long time. Right. And they've bounced around leagues. They were in the, um, they were in conference USA. They were in uh, obviously the big East. They were in the Metro Atlantic. They were in, what was the other one? There was another, like, uh, not not American. Uh, there, there was another league that they were in. I'm trying to think. Oh, the Great Midwest. They were in the Great Midwest Conference. People were sitting there, which they're all kind of the same teams. The Louisville's, the Memphis's, the Florida State's, the world. They kind of bounced from league league till they finally found a home in the Big East. And the Big East is like, Big East lost the, school, the football schools. And Cincinnati was like, we got football. We like the bet. Anyway, like, Cincinnati should be playing in a league with, Louisville's close, right? Schools in Indiana are close. Schools in West Virginia are close. Go and look at the AAC and try and figure out who they're playing against. It's hard to get people in the building when nobody knows who's in your league. Like, Wichita State's a great program. What is the connection between Houston, Wichita State, Tulane, and Cincinnati? None. None. So it sucks in that it's awful for travel. Remember, you have all of these Olympic sports. You're like, hey, baseball, you're going to go down and play Tulane. <laughs> Football, you're going to play against Houston. How are we going to compete against Houston? They got all kids to say to Texas, right? So, but, but the idea that like you're going to be in handshake lines and assistant coaches, like your job as assistant coach is to get players. And if the player played for the other team, they're in your league. And now you can go like, hey, you should come play for us next year. Hit me up. Hit me up. You get my number. Hit me up. Like, really? That's what we're going to do? And you might say to yourself, you might say to me, well, Doug, you're limiting a kid's ability to go play in a college. Like, no, I'm not. Yeah, oh, I guess I'm limiting it by 10 schools. There's 352 programs. You can go play for 340 others. Just here's, we have to, we have zero rules for college athletes. Zero. That's what people want. We want complete anarchy. We want no rules. What will we possibly be teaching a kid? Then they get to the professional ranks and you're like, hey, actually you can't do that. That's, there's a, like, what do you mean contract? We've created AAU basketball in college basketball. And I coach AAU basketball. And it's the worst. You're coaching a kid one week and he doesn't, he won't do what you want. And you're trying to cajole him. You're trying to convince him. Sometimes you got to yell at him. Sometimes you got to go, Hey dude, you're hurting the team. I got to sit you and you go and you win without him. Right. And, and the parents are like, you can't carry nine or 10 guys because everybody's not happy. I only cover carry eight, 
But a kid who is one of your best players isn't playing well, isn't playing within the team concept. So you sit him for a game, you win without him, and then the next tournament, you're like, you can't hear from the parent. They're playing for the other team. Wait, what? You're making it so I can't coach your kid. How does he give her? I, I had this with a parent who I loved this weekend. He's like, man, you kept taking my kid out to make mistakes. Like, well, I would explain to him what I would want very, very simply. And then he would not do it. And I would call him over. and I say, hey, dude, if you don't box out, I have to take you out because if not, you're going to keep making the same mistake. And he would not box out. He not box out. I took him out. Then he come back in. I was like, hey, listen, when you first catch the ball, I want you to, it's against the zone. It's a high post. I want you to pass it. The second time you get it, feel free to attack, do whatever you want. And he kept shooting the ball. And I took him out. We got to let him play. Like, no, I don't. No, I, I don't. You, we're, we're making it so that you cannot coach, cannot teach, cannot grow, cannot evolve. If something's bad, just pack your bags and go play for the other team. And guess what? Then the kid goes to play for the team. They get the same problems. And, and everyone in the sport, really in the sport, they talk to each other or they text each other and like, this is complete crap. This is crazy. And then a microphone, like, what do you think about? Like, well, you know, it's about player. Because they're scared of the, 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 the backlash from Twitter and the backlash from you idiots who have never actually lived inside sports. You don't understand how it, it's awful for the sport. And the biggest thing is, like, even if you don't care about teaching players and about accountability and about contracts and about being part of a team about accepting your role and about improving and about the fact that it's a long season. You might get benched early in the year, but by the end of the year, you'll be playing a ton of minutes. Even if those things aren't important to you, fine. Do you want to know why no one watches the sport in the regular season? Because they don't know who plays for who. Because Charlie Moore is going to play for his fourth school while playing a six-year college basketball career. Four. Four. Jalen... Coleman Lance also transferred from DePaul. He played at Iowa State. He's played at Illinois. John Gross got fired. Then he goes to DePaul. Dave Lato didn't get fired when Jalen Coleman Lance left, but there's a, you know, there's a reason a guy gets fired. Then he goes to Iowa State and and uh, uh, Scott, uh, I mean Steve uh, Prome. Ends up getting fired. Yes, my my brother from another mother. All right, so he's played for three coaches. All three have been fired. Jamin Coleman's like in the transfer portal and somebody pick him up. AU basketball. But more than anything, like nobody has any idea who plays where. We don't know what conference anybody's in. There's no sense and semblance of anything. Is that true conference champions? We have completely destroyed something that was, in our search for perfection, we've destroyed something that was very, very good. That's what we've done. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Hey, it's me, Rob Parker. Check out my weekly MLB podcast, Inside the Parker, for 22 minutes of piping hot baseball talk featuring the biggest names and newsmakers in the sport. Whether you believe in analytics or the eye test, We've got all the bases covered. New episodes drop every Thursday. So do yourself a favor and listen to Inside the Parker with Rob Parker on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast. Warren Sharp joins us, sharpfootballanalysis.com. Apparently, he's part of that devilish um, analytics department of the Philadelphia Eagles, right? You were I was read the article in The Athletic yesterday 
What, what was your involvement with the Eagles in terms of analytics? Uh, unfortunately, I can't go into too much detail on that uh, specifically. Uh, they didn't contact me for the story, um, but I, I can't refute any of what they said. But uh, as an outside contractor, there are certain uh, like NDAs and disclosures that I've had to be part of. So I can't go into any detail specifically as to what my role is there other than what is being reported in the story. But the story certainly was eye-opening being that I'm not inside of the building, uh, outside of the building, and um, as a contractor. Thus, you know, a lot of that was was news to me as to some of the details uh, and the inner workings of what was going on there from, from the perspective of whoever was sharing that information, right? Because the management, I guess, did not comment on the story. So we don't really know their perspective, but certainly the perspective was very clear from the other parties. Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, you know, I talked with some NFL people after I read the story, and they all said, like, look, analytics is really useful, but th- there has to be the right relationship between front office analytics department, coaching staff, and stats, the ones that do it right see the most benefit from it. But there are plenty of stories that are like Philadelphia where the old school guys that are like, look, I know what a football player looks like. They they push back, and there's just not a great relationship there. What do you think the ratio is of, uh, of positive use of analytics as opposed to uh, coaching staffs really pushing backs against it? That's a tricky question. It's it's an interesting topic, though, because um, I, I think too many people think analytics are this like big inner working machine to overtake like the, a total organization and just force everybody to do what they say. The reality is, people have been utilizing analytics for years and for decades. They just didn't realize that that's what they were. When you're analyzing data to try to make educated decisions you're incorporating some type of analytics into what you're doing. And so most teams have been using some form of analytics for a long time. I think one of the interesting things with the NFL, and we've seen this with several other sports over the most recent years, is we have better data collection. We're investing more money. I'm talking about, in general, the whole country is investing more money into the collection of data, the analysis of that data. We've got player tracking information that's now become available to us. So we're able to incorporate that more. These are different touch points and data points that didn't exist even 10 years ago. And um, so we have more data that then we have to sift through and process. And there can become like a paralyzing point in time if you're, and, you know, paralysis, analysis by paralysis, like you're too consumed with what you're looking at and you're unable to kind of make reactionary decisions, uh, the, the best decisions you're trying to process too much. But I truly, obviously, I've got a bias in this because I work in analytics, but I truly don't feel like in general teams are everything. There's a variety of reasons why the Eagles didn't have success last season. You know, the, the, the it's interesting to talk about the Eagles because the Philadelphia Eagles are actually a lucky story in the NFL. If you ask owners and general managers over four-year span, you're going to win a Super Bowl, you're going to make two other trips to the playoffs, so three trips to the playoffs in four years, and you're going to have one terrible year that's going to get you a really good draft pick. 
I think every single team, general manager, owner on the planet would trade that. But it was the relationships that deteriorated within that process of the final year that ultimately caused this thing uh, to go the direction that it did. But I, I truly think that there's more room to grow within analytics and incorporating them into the game. But you're right. You have to have the right mindsets and the right uh, temperaments with with the way that you're sharing that with the staff and with the staff's opinion of how they should be incorporating that into the game. And everybody does truly need to be on the same page. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, I think Warren Sharp joining us, Sharp Football Analysis. So you can follow him on Twitter at Sharp Football. Okay, help me out here. Sam Darnold, what do you think about Sam Darnold's impact with the Carolina Panthers getting a fresh start and basically a two-year window to show he can be as anywhere near what he was drafted to be? It's really interesting because I don't think there was a coach in the league who – did less with more than Adam Gase. Um, I, I really did not care for the way that he coached the Jets. And I think that that clouded our ability to see really what Sam Darnold is. There, I, I say this with every single quarterback on every single team. I don't care the level of guy that there is. There is a linkage there where you are going to be elevated or restricted by – the coach and the play caller and the philosophy of a particular offense. And certainly it's a blessing for us to watch Patrick Mahomes be able to work with Andy Reid because with another coach, we wouldn't necessarily see him reach his ceiling. Um, obviously, there are certain guys that are going to rise and elevate the waters around them, et cetera, et cetera. But with Sam Darnold, I think he was definitely held back in that offense. I think he's got a much better chance to flourish with Joe Brady and the Panthers' offense and the staff that they have down there and the weapons that he has around them, which are more talented than he had at any point of time in New York. The flip side, though, is I don't really see a high ceiling for Sam Darnold, even with the Carolina Panthers. I think they potentially gave up too much to get him. I think they were eyeing other things, a la, you know, Deshaun Watson potentially, and certain elements didn't work out for them. And so Sam Darner was a backup plan for them. And I didn't necessarily love the move for them to acquire him, but I certainly think that he will look better in Carolina than he did in New York. Well, I think it's reasonable to think they thought they had a great shot at Deshaun Watson. Now, nobody can get, nobody has any idea if Deshaun Watson will even play football again, let alone where he'll play football next, right? And so they sat there and go like, okay, well, maybe we want to Mac Jones. And now maybe San Francisco is like, eh, we're going to take Mac Jones at three. So this was plan C for them. Fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely fair. I think that's very close to probably the way that that rolled down the hill. Uh, Warren Sharp joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Would you approve of a Mac Jones drafting? At number three, I think the issue for me is how much you're giving up to get him. Now, there's two ways to look at it. The first way could be Kyle Shanahan has worked with a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. I tweeted out like a week ago of every single quarterback that he's worked with, and the list is immense. Almost all those guys he's had a losing record with. There's only been a couple of guys that he has developed into a team that actually can win games. So that's, that's first and foremost. Like You can't just say, well, because he's working with Kyle Shanahan, we're going to come away with a winning draft pick. 
it, you have to find the right guy. Um, but he's lucky that he is going to work with Kyle Shanahan, whoever is going to be drafted. But in terms of Mac specifically, giving up three picks is, is a lot. Three ones to get Mac Jones is a lot, unless Kyle Shanahan says, this is the guy. Like, this is what I've been waiting for. I need a guy who has this talent level and can do these types of things. And he's identified a guy who can do that. I still am a little bit on the fence as to believing that it's definitely going to be Mac Jones at three to San Francisco. Uh, but I don't have the level of information that some of the insiders do who have said and who have good track records of saying this is where he's going. And, and that's something like Adam Schefter, for example, has indicated. So uh, I can't buck what he's saying, but it's just a lot to give up for a guy who's the third best quarterback in the draft, right? If you're going up to get the best quarterback in the draft, that's one thing, right? But we already know that quarterbacks are going one and two. So we're realistically talking about potentially the third best. That doesn't mean that the top two guys are actually going to pan out and become better QBs than Mac Jones. If Kyle truly thinks that Mac is the best QB in this draft class and he doesn't care that he's drafting him at three, he's the guy he would draft at one anyways, then it's defensible. And it's a, you're giving up a lot, but it, there's a reason to do so. Um, but I, I just think that uh, it, it would be surprising for him to give up that haul for Mac Jones. Awesome stuff, Warren. Appreciate you joining us. Uh, thanks so much and love your insight. Um, well, can't wait to talk again, getting ready for the draft. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, Doug. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. I saw this. I get why the NBA is doing it, uh, Mark Cuban said. But if we're going to be created because of COVID, we should be straight up 1 through 20. Let the bottom four play in. This year in particular, since we have 10 games cut from the normal 72-game season, um, we're, we're in conference play. We'll, we'll get to um, take it to Boston upcoming in a second. Our boy Ben Volan. Uh, this is all reaction to Luka Doncic complaining about the play-in tournament to get to the playoffs last night. Obviously, we're trying to get a six seed. Uh, I don't understand the idea of playoff playing. You play seventy-two games uh, to get in the playoffs, and then maybe you lose two in a row and you're out of the playoffs. Uh, so I don't see the point of that. Okay, well, I mean, look, the, the playoffs used to be a three-game series for the first one. So you could lose two games in a row and be out. <laughs> I, I understand Luca is like new to the NBA dance. I, I get it. And he thinks everything, I guess, should be. But here's the thing, like the idea that, well, we play 72 games and this is, okay, well, you play 72 games. And if you finished, if there's no play in games and it's just playoffs and you finish, you know, in a virtual tie, only via the tiebreaker, you lose to a team. Happened to the Thunder about 10 years ago. Then you're out of the playoffs. He's doing the, it's not fair. Life's not fair. Not fair. Never been fair. Never going to be fair. But definitely not fair. <laughs> you know? Just the, the the stark reality to it. Um I saw this story, too, which I wanted to laugh at. I love Reggie Miller, but if Michael Jordan would have called and tried to sway me to Chicago, I would have told him to go F himself. Just a just a question here. Why would Michael Jordan have called you when he kept winning championships? Why would he have needed Reggie Miller? I don't, I don't know. Anybody? 
This is the old players going, we were tougher and better and smarter. And I I'm, I agree, the moving around of players and, and the it, it's not as good as it used to be when you had your team and you tried to get an ancillary piece here or there, but the Stars always stayed where the Stars stayed. It's seen that way. Reggie Miller did get to the NBA Finals with Chris Mullen. Chris Mullen did not start his NBA career with the, with the Pacers, right? Like, can I just... Call a little bit of call a little bit of BS on uh, on on Reggie Miller because he says he wouldn't have left for Michael Jordan, and I believe that to be true. But that's because I don't think Michael Jordan would have needed to call him. They got to the NBA Finals, and Larry Bird was the coach, right? Larry Bird was the coach. They get to the NBA Finals. And by the way, Larry Bird retired from coaching after losing that NBA Finals. It's a weird one, which I don't really. I, I, I got to go and talk to people as to why that actually happened. But at that point in time, he was 34 years old and they had Jalen Rose as their leading scorer. Jalen Rose didn't start his career in Indiana. He started his career in Denver. Right. Who was the third leading scorer? Dale Davis. Now Dale Davis was at that point in time, a lifetime pacer. Who was his point guard? Mark Jackson. Mark Jackson started with the Knicks, went to the Clippers, then to the Pacers. <laughs> you know? Now, were they all acquired? Was it different than now? Of course it was. Of course it was. And in complete fairness, you had three star players, Dale Davis, power forward, Rick Smith's center, Reggie Miller, shooting guard, all were Pacer lifers at that point in time. Pretty amazing what Donnie Walsh and those guys were able to do. And they had Austin Crozier, who at that point in time was in, I think, his like third year in the NBA. So of their of their best players, okay, four of them were lifer pacers. But Jalen Rose, leading scorer, he, he, he was a nugget. Mark Jackson's their point guard. He'd been all over. You know, no, no, let me start on Sam Perkins and... And, and Chris Mullen, Chris Mullen at that point in time, 36 years old, not the same player, came off the bench for the most part, like 12 minutes game. But Chris Mullen made his way with the, with the Golden State Warriors. So we all get a bit disingenuous when we're remembering the past. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific. Ben Volan joins us, Boston Globe, covering the entire National Football League. Julian Edelman, go. Julian Edelman, go. Mm-hmm. Um, great player. Hall of very good. First ballot Patriots Ring of Honor Hall of Fame, but not a pro football Hall of Famer. Uh, and that's nothing against the guy. Uh, I think he's been an unbelievable uh, player here for the Patriots, kind of the engine of the offense. But, uh, you know, his resume is all about postseason. And this is a guy who, unfortunately, never even made a Pro Bowl uh, or an All-Pro or anything of that nature. So, uh, tremendous player, but uh, I think looking uh, on the outside uh, of the Hall of Fame. Okay. Why is Eli Manning getting the Hall of Fame? I don't know if he does. I don't know if I would vote for Eli Manning, but it is different for a quarterback. It, it just is. And he did have two you know, iconic uh, playoff runs where I believe he won four games in each of them, meaning he had to go on the road and win some games as well. Whereas, you know, no one ever asks, what's the wide receiver's one loss record or, you know, would Edelman have been the same player and had, would he have even had that postseason success if he didn't have Tom Brady throwing him the football and Bill Belichick as his coach? 
So I think there's just kind of a sentiment that Edelman was, you know, right place, right time. But that, that also does him a disservice because he's been an unbelievably clutch player. You know, the catch against Atlanta, huge moments against Seattle, game-winning touchdown. He had this touchdown pass, an unbelievable uh, playoff game against the Ravens. Uh, that saved the Patriots' season. So he's not just along for the ride, but he he is kind of fighting that perception a little bit. No, no question. But I mean, I, again, you could do the Eli Manning. Would he be? Would he have any chance if he had a different defensive line? Right. I mean, zero, zero. That's 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 the, that's the truth to it, isn't it? Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. Yeah, I mean, if he he plays on another team, he's not the same type of player. He found the perfect system. Um, uh, an offense that emphasizes the slot receiver. He was able to kind of, you know, he had no expectations, no pressure, being a seventh-round pick, uh, switching positions. He got to kind of learn behind Welker for a few years. Um, And the Patriots didn't even know what they had with Edelman. When Welker left in 2013, they went out and gave big money to Danny Amendola to be his replacement. And Edelman was brought back. Uh, yeah, Edelman was like a one-year minimum contract. and He came out of nowhere to catch 105 balls in that first year after Welker. So Edelman, you know, the Patriots didn't really even fully know what what they had in Edelman at the time. And, look, he's been awesome, and I love stories like that and scrappy underdogs and all that stuff. But, uh, I mean, you have to admit, he, he really did just kind of fall into the perfect situation with Brady, Belichick, and that offense. Yeah, I mean, look, do I think do I look, I wish the Hall of Fame was just the greatest of the greats, right? Like we all talk about like, well, he's a, like Eli Manning in truth, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. So anybody says he's he's going to get in. There's zero chance that the quarterback who won two Super Bowls, who took down the undefeated Patriots and he's a part of the first family of football and he like never missed the start. Like he's going to the Hall of Fame. I, I'm so I don't even I, I've never spent any time arguing it, but do I think he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play football? No, and those are the guys that should go to the Hall of Fame. But that's not what we have here. And what I think is interesting is if we said, "Hey, who's the greatest slot receiver of all time?" Well, now I think Welker's actually better than him. But I, I mean, I, I think there's an argument there for why does it have to be a guy who's outside the numbers, you know, catching a, you know, only catching touchdown passes, and he's a six foot three gazelle. Like, why? When what this guy did was as or more valuable to his football team. So now you're touching on a different argument, which I believe uh, I agree with you. Like for all pro teams and Pro Bowls. Uh, and the Hall of Fame, they do not have a separate designation for the slot receiver, which I think is a way different position from the outside receiver. It's almost like a hybrid between a running back uh, and a wide receiver. And so, yes, Edelman, when you compare his numbers to Larry Fitzgerald and Andre Johnson and and the big-time outside receivers, Edelman's numbers just don't stack up, and he doesn't have the all-pros in the Pro Bowls. But if if those teams were actually chosen properly, there should be a slot receiver designation because it is a a very real position now on the football team. And, yeah, I mean, I think when you think of slot receivers, it's Welker, Edelman, and and maybe Wayne Corbett. Those guys are all the the standard. Um, So I I do think just the kind of the old-school way that they choose this team of lumping all the receivers in together, that, that hurts significantly a guy like Edelman, and it doesn't represent his true value. Uh, who? What was the? We played with the Rams. Uh, the and then he played with the Broncos. They called him the slot machine. Uh, started with uh, what am I thinking? Oh, Stokely. Uh, huh? Was it Stokely? 
Yes, Brandon Stokely. Brandon Stokely's the he was the slot machine. Anyway, um, Oz Hakeem, remember, was a slot receiver with the Rams, the greatest show on turf. Not as effective for as long as the other ones that that were mentioned. Uh, okay, his knee is bad. He gets two million dollars injury stuff. But if you were a betting man, would you bet he plays for the Buccaneers at some point this year? So I think once he takes that two million dollar injury benefit, he's done. So you can't come back after that. Uh, so I, I do think he's done. I, I think the Patriots did him a solid by uh, waiving him with a failed physical, allowing him to collect that extra uh, couple million. Nice, nice payday on the way out the door. Uh, I just, uh, you know, he said it on his retirement video. The, the wheels have fallen off. Just his knee is not getting any better. He's almost 35 years old. Uh, he's taken a ton of hits over his career. Um, I, I specifically remember that Seahawks. Super Bowl. They basically had to invent the new concussion rule because of Edelman taking hits and staying in the game. Uh, so it, it was it was time for him to walk away. And you know it'd be something if you know if Brady and Gronk and Edelman and Antonio Brown all came back. They have a game in Foxborough this year. They're playing the Patriots. So so that'd be something if you added Edelman to that too. But I I don't see it happening. And once he collects that injury benefit, he's I'm pretty sure he has to stay retired. Okay, so uh, speaking of the Patriots, what are they really going to do at quarterback? It's a great question. I think the opportunity is there for them to be aggressive and get a quarterback, and I don't think they need to be uber aggressive. I think all the teams in front of them are starting to drop out of the quarterback derby. Um, I don't think uh, the Eagles are going to be picking a quarterback. They're probably sticking with Jalen Hurts for a year. I don't think the Falcons want a first-round quarterback. I think they're still committed to Matt Ryan. Um, The Broncos, I I get a – you know, they're kind of a wild card, but I could see a very real scenario where they get Teddy Bridgewater instead and don't focus on a first round quarterback. I think the Panthers have taken themselves out of the market with Sam, you know, after trading for Sam Darnold. So the Patriots may still have to trade up if they want a quarterback, but it might only have to be to 10 or 11 to get a guy that they want. And look, I, that's never been the, the Patriots' MO. Uh, you know, I think it's probably likelier that Belichick waits for the second or third round and picks like a Kellen Mond type. Um, but they were super aggressive in free agency, and it's not like they have a ton of roster holes. So the opportunity is definitely there, I think, for the Patriots to go get a quarterback. And selfishly, I would love to see it happen. Yeah, and and forgive me if I'm wrong. Ben Volan joins us. He covers the entire league, works for the Boston Globe, so he knows obviously a ton of what's going on in Foxborough, more so than uh, most anybody else uh, who, who does the national scene. Okay, so I guess my question is, haven't they always been linked to wanting – the opposite of what Tom Brady gave them, which we, we don't want a, a pure pocket guy. We want somebody we can move the pocket with, which would stand a reason like, look, if you you have Cam Newton, even as the starter to become a backup, you want a guy, you don't have to change the offense when you put a new quarterback in. What not mobility a huge desire for Belichick? Like Lamar Jackson, I remember he was linked to, and some other guys like that. Um, is Do you think that's what their next quarterback looks like? Well, to be fair, they passed over Lamar Jackson twice. The year in his yes. draft, they had 23 and 31, and they picked uh, Sony Michelle and Isaiah Wynn. So they, they passed over Lamar twice, and they're still kind of uh, maybe second-guessing that one a little bit. Uh, I do think that they want to have mobility at quarterback. And I think it's less about wanting to just do something different from Brady and more about you know Belichick being a defensive coach and him you know, analyzing, well, what quarterbacks give me the most problems? Cam Newton played him twice and ran circles around Belichick. And the mobile quarterbacks over the years 
have always given Belichick more of a problem than than the more you know pocket passers. Uh, so I, I just think that as a defensive coach, that's what Belichick is thinking. He he knows that for him personally, it's a tougher challenge to defend an offense when the quarterback has a good running ability. And Cam had 12 rushing touchdowns and was very efficient in short yardage and on third down uh, last year. So that's why I think, you know, Lance and Fields, certainly I think the Patriots would love to get their hands on them. I don't know if they're willing to trade up for, for either of those guys or, or how they – I don't know their evaluation. But I do think that Belichick would like a mobile quarterback – uh, and I, I ran into former Patriot Rob Nikovich at a, a you know little community event yesterday, and he was saying how he wouldn't be surprised if the Patriots tried to get a quarterback and did a two quarterback system like what the Saints are doing, you know, with Taysom Hill and Drew Brees on the field at the same time. Maybe you have Cam and a rookie, and you don't know who's going to be the runner and the thrower, and you just have so many different options. So maybe the Patriots are just getting nuts and, and going outside the box here. But you know, they, they've got they've certainly got to do something beyond just bring back. Cam Newton and Jared Stidham this year. Yeah, that that does not feel like a that does not feel like a plan that it will either one work or two be well regarded at home. Doug Gottlieb show rolls on here on Fox Sports Radio. How sure are you that Mac Jones is the pick at three? I I, I personally have never quite understood it, and I'm not going to pretend to be a film savant by any stretch. But I think when you just look at the profile of the prospect, Mac Jones, I, I think. He he has more questions to me. A guy who played for one year was loaded with talent. You know how often were his receivers truly covered? How often did he not have a clean pocket? You know, and he had to really maneuver and find windows and things like that. You know, the Alabama system I think can really kind of mask a quarterback's deficiencies. Um, and you you look at all the you know respected mock drafts of like you know Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network and. Other guys at ESPN, none of them have Mac Jones at number three. They all have Fields or Lance as the third guy. And I think the only reason, you know, the, the Niners have been kind of linked to Mac Jones, and I think that's the only reason people have been putting him that high. But, you know, the people I've talked to, like, love Justin Fields. I talked to one guy who said he would take Fields number two overall, even over, um, you know, Wilson. So I don't know what to think. I feel like it's one of those years where there's 32 teams. There's probably 32 different orders of the quarterback. And um, I just don't know quite what to think about uh, the Niners' plans. Because to me, Fields or Trey Lance seem like a better fit for Shanahan than Mac Jones. But, you know, again, I'm not the savant. I'm not the football coach. And maybe Shanahan sees something in Mac Jones that, that the rest of us don't. What does the league think about Sam Donald's likelihood of success in Carolina? Well, you know, you, you definitely hope that it's like the change of scenery, and uh, it's it's hard to evaluate, give him a proper evaluation because I I think everyone recognizes the Jets were kind of a dumpster fire the last few years. Um, you know, that's and and Darnold is still only 23 years old; he's not even 24, I believe. So, still plenty of good football ahead of him, and and he was obviously very highly regarded coming out in the draft. So, uh, I'm a little surprised they they made the deal and guaranteed him two years and 24 million. That's short money for a decent quarterback, but there's no there's no evidence that Darnold's a decent quarterback. Since he's coming to the league, he ranks 42nd out of 43 quarterbacks in passer rating. So he just hasn't done anything yet. And I think if you're the Panthers, you hope that just a change of scenery. Joe Brady is supposed to be a whiz kid offensive coordinator. You hope you get the best uh, out of Sam Darnold and kind of hit the reset button. Um, but, you know, I, I think it just gives them a little bit more certainty at the position. They don't have to panic do anything too crazy with the rookie. Uh, and if he's no good, even though they're paying him money next year, they can still go out and 
find a way to get rid of him or draft a quarterback. So uh, I'm a little surprised in the investment, but it, it, it buys the Panthers a little bit more time to uh, really figure out where they want to go at quarterback. Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. That's the voice of Ben Volan. All right, we we talked about the Niners. We talked about the Patriots. Um, what about Garoppolo? Will he be the starter this year, or is that just uh, you know, is it just like Mike Glennon or just like Sam Bradford, where once they get their guy, they end up trading him to a place like New England? You know, I, at first I really thought that all this talk about how they're going to keep Garoppolo was just them trying to drive up the price, but I, I believe it now. And you know, even the Niners making a big trade up to three they're still only getting the third-best quarterback in the draft. I think if you're getting a Trevor Lawrence, who I think most scouts expect to be a pretty solid player from day one, you could feel okay giving up on Garoppolo. But I don't think they feel comfortable handing the team over to a rookie. They feel like they've got a Super Bowl-caliber roster, and they just need good, healthy quarterback play. And so, I, I you know, and, and Garoppolo has done it. I mean, he took them to a Super Bowl in his one full season, which I don't think you can discount by any measure. So I think they're going to keep him sit the kid but you know that's a team that understands the value of, of quarterback depth um and Apollo did go down i think they'd feel comfortable that mac jones or whoever they do take would be able to keep the season afloat but uh i, I do think that they're going to keep garoppolo at this point and you know next off season is when we'll really be talking about whether the patriots are going to make a run for him likelihood deshaun watson plays football this year That, that is such a weird and, and kind of ugly case. I don't know about a full-season suspension. You know, it, the longer it drags on, the worse it is for him. Uh, you know, eventually Goodell's going to have to put him on the commissioner's exempt list, which is kind of that half measure where he continues to get paid, but he's not allowed to play. Um, I, don't, I definitely don't think he's playing 16 games this year, and uh, it's, it's not looking good for him. Uh, but I, I can't tell you whether it's going to be he's going to play 6-8, Ten games, but I, it's it's not looking good for Deshaun Watson right now. Ben, I hope you're well, man. I'm ready for the draft. We can't wait to figure out it, you know what's lies and what's the truth. In the meantime, thanks for joining us, bud. Doug, hope you're well. You feeling okay over there? All good, man. All good. Uh, the voice is because I I yelled at kids coaching like 20 basketball games this weekend. That's, that's oh, it. well, that's allowed. Yelling at kids is always allowed. Always, always allowed. Thanks, Ben. Thanks, man. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.